Oh, hello. Fancy seeing you here on a Monday morning, but glad you could join us. Welcome to Monday Morning Coffee with Inside the Firm. Each week, we will be interviewing local, regional, and national business leaders to give you an inside peek into how they lead their businesses to success in an ever-competitive business climate. So pour yourself a hot cup and enjoy the show. Welcome to uh, Monday Morning Coffee. I'm Alex. Normally Lance is doing these uh, episodes, but I'm here with John Cly. John Cly is a, how I know him is from NDSU. He was the guy when we were younger. It was John Cly, Christy Hansen, and a couple other people that were, I don't know, these were the cool cats that uh, were older that you're supposed to em- emulate. Um, and, and everyone kind of knew about them. But if you don't know about them, uh, this is what the interview is about. So, John, could you start with just a brief overview? What is your firm? What does it do? First of all, Alex, thank you for being here. But I said, I like when you call me a cool cat, but <laughs> older is probably the better, more operative word here yeah. with what's going on. Um, you were younger 10 years ago. <laughs> I, was, I was much younger 10 years ago, I will tell you that. So you want an introduction to the firm? Yeah. What, what, do you, what, do you, what so kind of work do you guys do? We specialize in hospitality. And we truly believe that hospitality is such a broad discipline right now. It encompasses, you know, entertainment, sports, the arts, retail, gaming, meeting, assembly, luxury accommodations, and not so much. Yep. You know, whatever. The back of house as well for some of these big machines that we work on. But uh, hospitality truly has evolved from what I would say is that Las Vegas was a gambling market way back when I first arrived. Then we somewhat uh, pushed that up again, elevated that to gaming. Mm -hmm. And now gaming has essentially become hospitality. But gambling, what do you mean by gaming? Well, it's... It's all in the, it's all about casinos. Yep. And we would typically have said that we would specialize in casinos. That's no longer because, again, entertainment is so much broader. Hospitality is so much broader. Gaming is a small component of why people, what they're looking for in their leisure time. Yep. So let's, let's back up. How did you get into this industry and, 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 how did you start the firm and how do you know where to focus on? Because what these people don't know that are listening is you've done Mandalay Bay. You, you can name, what are some of the hotels that they might know? Well, we've had the, the fortune of, again, there's a, there's a past life beyond Clyde Jibbawald. There was life before mm-hmm. us. And I came out here in 1978, never intending to work. And somewhere with my leisure time, I found it necessary to at least earn a dollar. Yep. I tried to be a stock boy. I was not employable, even though I had accounting and architectural background. (laughs) And I finally had to put my resume out there. And that was only then that I realized that I was a hot commodity because Las Vegas did not have graduate architects. But what was, what was, what we found working here in Las Vegas were a lot of production people, Mm -hmm. drafts people, those that had maybe had a little bit of technical uh, uh, schooling, uh, schooling yep. but nothing that would really move them into design and the process that we learn back in, in, in college. Yeah. And um, so it's a little bit of luck there. There was a whole lot of luck. Yeah. And again, I had no intention of ever working here, living here. And I finally had to call my folks after probably about three months at my job, and that was seven weeks into my stay here in Las Vegas, and tell them that I probably wasn't coming home, and was there some way that maybe they could start to transport some of my stuffs that I'd packed with them when I abandoned my apartment in Fargo? Yeah. Could you possibly bring that west? (laughs) So somewhere that migration started, and I started the migration. Yep. My classmate, Dan Juba, had ventured off to Seattle, and he had gone to, when I went to Summer Abroad in the summer of 77, don't, 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 don't date me too fast yeah. here, but I said that was a long time ago, 
Dan opted to go do an interview and go up to Seattle and explore some of the larger markets in design up in, in that new and upcoming uh, area of, of the Northwest. Yep. And he wanted to live there. He wanted to work there. The day that we graduated out of our fifth year, Dan literally flew to Seattle. I took my leisurely time, and I got him my Datsun Z, and I headed down to the desert because I was going to house sit and be a pool boy. <laughs> and so that's the beginning of how all this came to be. And seven weeks into my stay, like I said, I sought, enter- I sought employment yep. with, my, with only my resume. And I did three interviews, three offers. The third offer was It Starts Tomorrow. Yep. That was at Caesars Palace. And I said, with that, I became a Marnell employee. And uh, within a year and a half of that, I was at the helm of the architectural end of that company. And Dan Juba, who was going to come to visit, when he heard that my first job was a 24-story tower, and he was doing what? He was doing restroom details and, and even helping be a porter in his larger office up in Seattle. He said, I was going to come down and visit. I'm going to come down. If they employed you, there has to be something for me to do. And so Dan found himself in Vegas all of three months after graduation. And my company at that point in time, Marnell, Tony Marnell and, and Marnell Correo Associates, hired Dan Juba, sight on scene, and said, if he's anything like you, we want him. And he started uh, the day after Labor Day. So were you and Dan buddies in college, or was he, were you guys best buddies? Was he just an acquaintance? Was, how did that? It took a long time for Dan and I to become friends. In college or? In college. Yes. Because I was a 90-day wonder. I had gone to school before. I had three years of counting in my background. Yep. But I knew I never wanted to practice in that discipline. I said I won't graduate in it. But it was a good background to have. It was good, good to have. I went to NDSU once I had started to explore other architectural schools around the country, realized what the cost of those, those schools were even back then. And NDSU told me, show us your transcript. We'll get you in. We'll figure out some curriculum for you, John, that you can be out of here in three, three and a half years. Yep. And with that, I started up in the summer of 75, up at NDSU, did my two environmental years, you know, one and two, in the summer of 75, and by the uh, fall of 75, that's when I joined Dan and his class, and they're the class that I graduated with then, and we went into the three quarters in at that time, okay. and it was probably not until the second quarter that I really got to meet Dan Juba. And he was very skeptical of some of us that were coming in that were showing our, our ways and maybe showing up a little bit bigger than what he was anticipating. Mm-hmm. And um, it, it may have taken us a year to figure out that we probably could be compatible and, and be friendly. And soon thereafter, I, we actually became roommates and became not quite best friends, but our, our studio was so close anyway. We had a group that was... Lance Josel and, and uh, others. So it was Lance, Dan, and I sat within 20 feet of each other up in the studio, up in the Quonset that you may have heard about. Yep. And I said, that was our home. I said, we fought for that. We protested. We went to the president. We said we weren't going to take it anymore. Yeah. We wanted more space. We got more space. We got the Quonset. And I said, that's, that's how we go down. And this is an old World War II Quonset, isn't it? It's an old World War II Quonset that served as an air tunnel. And they, they foreshortened the air tunnel and gave us, I don't know, maybe a, a 60-foot swath of it and said, here, put a mezzanine in it and said, here, go to work, guys. Shut up. <laughs> so you donated uh, a substantial amount of money that they put your name on a building at NDSU. Did you ever consider, and it's, it's a nice building, did you ever consider it being a Quonset 
instead of a real actual building? You know, there's plenty of room around Cly Hall that we could probably add a couple of Quonsets yes. and, and bring back some of our nostalgia and whatever else as to where we really came from. Exactly. That would be great. We should just put a big hangar over there. That'd be even better. Exactly. You could make a huge hangar. It'd, it'd be a great space. Absolutely. Yeah. We could have some real dynamic uh, uh, volumes in that space versus what we had in that little Quonset. Yeah. The the story is interesting personally to me because with Lance and I, it was the same thing where he went to school a little bit before, came in. We actually didn't like each other in the beginning because I thought he was too arrogant. He thought I was too crazy because we were doing this project and Professor Booker, I don't know if you know him, no. um, but he goes, he goes, Alex, what's, what's in your fire? And I go, well, those are the, they, the project was you're on an island and you have to survive and you have to make all this stuff. I go, well, those are the bones from the animals that I had to kill to eat to survive. And then Lance is like, okay, I like this guy. <laughs> and then we became friends and then, you know, later started a firm, um, kind of how you guys and did. It's amazing how all that works. Yeah. Because again, Dan and I probably aren't the same guys at all. We're, 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 we're a little bit not polar opposites. We have a lot of similar likes, but we don't think exactly the like. We've been fabulous partners, and I think Dan would probably say the same thing, is that we were very, very fortunate to have known each other, watch each other grow, mm -hmm. evolve, see us move through another firm. We both got to become owners of that firm. We both said at a time and place, you know what, it's time for us to take a bow and, and just to take a, take a break. Dan uh, had gotten married and had a ch uh, child. How old are you guys at this time? Uh, we're, I was 38 and Dan was 35. Okay, so yeah. that makes sense. Yeah. We were with that firm for about 12, 12 and a half years. Yep. And then decided that it was kind of, that was our, that was the end of our, our, our first soiree, as it were. Yeah. And uh, so in end of 90, 91, we effectively cut our ways with, with uh, Marnell. Mm -hmm. And then we, not because of a non-compete, but again, we had no intention at that point in time. We had been owners at Marnell mm -hmm. and fortunate for that and thankful for that as well. But we were able to take a break, explore the world. The Gulf War had just come out. It was a new thing again that was causing a little bit of... The Gulf? The Gulf War, the... the, the oh, Iraq, the war. Iraq. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Yep. All yep. of that had, had come, come to be. That was kind of a the little bit of a hiccup that was going on in the economy and yep. and all at that point in time because we had right before we left over at Marnell, we actually had had the fortune of I was on Caesars Caesars wherever they went for my twelve and a half years, last of Caesars being the forum shops mm -hmm. here at Caesars, you know whatever that but we had Caesars Atlantic City that we were working on in the latter years. Caesars Tahoe, and Caesars was becoming the worldwide brand, mm -hmm. and also became the first uh, Las Vegas gaming brand that ended up being sold to a corporate entity, Sheraton ITT, back in '95, and that provided me the foots the 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 the, the, the footstool to actually say, Dan, I think it's time for us to go back to work, and that being that the President and Chairman of Caesars World at that time, who was also a very good friend. I considered him my mentor. Mm -hmm. I was involved in his management meetings at Caesars because I was so integral into the process over at Caesars Palace and their other properties that I reached out to Terry Lanny. And Terry had then, with the purchase of Caesars by Sheraton, moved away from Caesars and had taken the reins of the floundering MGM, which had been built a year and a half earlier for the tune of one point whatever. No one had yeah. ever spent that yep. kind of money on, a, on a, a resort at that time. Terry's comment being, if it weren't so damn new, we'd implode it, yeah. you know, whatever. <laughs> yeah. Because he said, but you guys need to help me figure this one out because it was effectively four different venues within a venue, and it was, so, it was so confusing. And they had people walking through a paper mache line, and again, Vegas trying to attract the Asian market 
It was like, what? <laughs> well, I was going to say, it. sometimes they try to make it confusing, so you stick in, but it was too confusing. It was that- way too confusing. It was so linear. It was like all you could do is hug a wall and, oh. and find your way through there. Yeah. And it was, and then they, worse than that, they they found it necessary to put together four different gaming environments within one, and it even became more confusing to the market. Yeah. And so Terry said, help me get rid of these plastic trees, these plastic plants, these plastic whatever. And he says that while you guys are taking a break. And he R- says that while we're, while we're taking a break, that became our first job back, was to help Terry Lanny over at MGM to write that ship yep. and turn it you know, in a very slow process. And with that then came the opportunity to go to work for what became the Mandalay Resort Group who was Circus Circus. Okay. And that's a whole other story. But Different we guys. Invited, we got invited to do an interview on a Saturday, yeah. meet these people, meet these guys, as they said. And it was one of our former superintendents at Marnell yeah. that I worked with a lot at Caesars. And he says, you got to meet these guys. I'm going, okay, well, well Juba and I will show up. We'll, we'll show up on Saturday, no big deal. And uh, we had just taken the job over at... at at MGM with Terry, mm-hmm. and the word had gotten out on the street that Kwai and Juba were back. Yeah. And, and it was like, well, we need, we need to talk to you. They had just bought Circus Circus, and with that came Luxor. Luxor was yep. also a brand new, brand new out of the ground, all of a year old, absolutely upside down, didn't know how to work, short-sheeted to death, didn't, couldn't operate. What does short sheeted mean? Well, they, they, they went in and just didn't put any operational uh, components. They, they, they short sheeted all of the Luxor with its operational components. So it meant that they were probably operating out of 18 wheelers that were parked behind their facility oh. because they hadn't built storage and all the, the other components that need that make it operate. A big mega resort needs to operate. And when you have 4,000 rooms, you know, whatever else, you need to do something, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's, it's like you can't just call the store or run down to the store every time you run out of something. Yep. So therefore, we went to work with them to try to better that operation, and we did that as well. So our first two jobs back, ironically, were to rework and make two facilities that had been built for about a billion five-plus both designed by the same architect, by a colleague of ours back then, mm-hmm. both having major, major matters, and we were able to write those facilities and put them back on a, 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 a good line right? and make them efficient operations, and um, here they are today, right? Was it a combination of, because most builders, um, it depends, I, I, when I get a client that's never built before, I know to give more input. When a builder has done, we do a lot of residential uh, mixed use. A lot of times they'll know the program that they want. It seems like those people didn't know the program as much as they needed to. Or, or, or in this industry, does the architect help drive? You guys are going to need this. Well, we would want to help them program, mm-hmm. but again, if they had a limited budget and it was more about the bang that they wanted to create, right? they were building this pyramid that was a big enough structural uh, challenge anyway. Yep. They had some real dilemma building that, that, that facility and the inclinators and everything else that come with a, a facility shape like that. And furthermore, they buried the casino. So therefore, the, right. the, the money part of that whole thing really was, was almost, you couldn't find it. Yeah. And again, it was kind of like MGM. It was confusion and you couldn't find. Mm-hmm. So we literally, you said you like to go work bobcats and bulldozers yep, and excavation. Good. We literally did that at the Luxor. We actually went in and had to start bulldozing right through the base of it to wow. try to reveal the, the real casino entity, the real casino part of that, the real gaming part of that, which was going to be the dollar maker. You're right. You know, and going to drive, drive that operation. So, again, is it, those two jobs were amazing uh, opportunities to come back to work on. 
that's not why we why we came to town. Yeah. Okay. Was it just you two? For no. those two? Well before Mandalay Bay meeting. What do you mean was it just the You and Dan? It was Dan and I started the company. Right. Okay. And Dan chose the rotation of the names. Okay. Yeah. And Dan worked diligently at what we would say we were. We were Clyde Juba Architects. Yep. So we were K J A. And he said, no, it needs to be KJA because if it was JKA, they'd say it was John Clay Architect. And, um, and therefore, Dan oh. says, because Juba and I were, we, we probably were very fortunate again that we, in the limited time that we were in town, people started to look at us in the industry especially. We're positive. We were born and raised Nevadans and that we knew everything about gaming and we're saying, I'm from North Dakota, yeah. and, and he's from Minnesota, and we went to North Dakota State. Yep. Okay. What, what's it, do you know what city he's from in Minnesota? He's from St. Paul. Okay. Yeah, he's right from St. Paul. Yep. So anyway, that's, that's the long, long story, but again, it, it, it launched us right into this market. And with that, we then said, ah, two great big opportunities that we've got going here. You and I are here together. We had found local help mm -hmm. but we had also told ourselves that it wasn't the time and place to go in and start to pillage any other firm or any other colleague that we were very aware of their people mm -hmm. we let things lie and we reached out to ndsu we reached out to people that i knew through my family who had kind of followed in my footsteps Rick Hoganson, formerly of FOSS, and Rick helped us start to put together a list of classmates, graduates, and introduced us to people that he thought might fit the bill to come work this fast track environment that we have here in the what was gaming, now hospitality market of Las Vegas. Yep. Um, could you continue the story of the Saturday meeting at Mandalay Bay? Or, you know, for so, so the Saturday meeting at Mandalay Bay, for Mandalay Bay, yeah. really was, so the, um, the former superintendent of, uh, of Marnell was drafted to build the, El the uh, Monte Carlo. <coughs> Excuse me. Monte Carlo being the property that was situated right south, right right north of New York, New York, uh, and right now next to T-Mobile, and now known as the Park MGM. Yes, that's why they changed the name. Okay, MGM changed that name. It was a joint venture between Gold Strike, which is the only gold strike you're going to see is a gold strike if you headed south of town here by about 28 miles, and you might see it right in Gene, Nevada. Yeah, wasn't that, that on the Christmas vacation or whatever? I think gold National was Lampoon. National Lampoon. Yes. Yeah. That you had the gold strike, and Steve Wynn, who had bought Bellagio, that became a joint venture between those two entities to build the uh, the uh, the Monte Carlo. Mm -hmm. And uh, Pete Miller was the superintendent that was building it and said, you know, the other day, my friends, Mike Ensign and Bill Richardson, Goldstrike, effectively swallowed the big one and bought Circus Circus. And with that, they've now got a, an array of properties from the Hacienda. Oh, they already had the land. Yeah. Well, yep. Hacienda was was a was a was a hotel, right? Okay. Okay. And the land came from Steve Wynn, mm -hmm. so you don't know the Dunes. I'm watching a movie last night, The Irishman, and because the Dunes was effectively built by the Teamsters Union way back and has all had all sorts of mob, yep, connections, whatever. Have they? Re is, does that still exist? No, that's where the Bellagio is. Yeah. It, it was the most gorgeous resort that this town ever had last night into the movie watching it from home three and a half hour movie they have a model of the dunes way back 
and it is absolutely it just it it takes my 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 heart away again yeah because it was by far just so awe-inspiring to see that they had actually there's detail on that tower that we we haven't gotten to implement since right gorgeous but structurally they could not keep that tower at that time and place when when Steve Wynn bought the dunes back in 92, whatever else, and then imploded it in 93, and then back in 98, opened it as the Bellagio right before we opened the Mandalay. So now I'm going to go all the way back to that meeting. Yep. And a quick side question before back to the meeting, because this has been bothering me. Do you remember, what was the link before it was the link? The link was a service alleyway between the Flamingo and the Irish, um, and help me with it. Right, it was the Irish yeah, place yeah, before. Irish place. That's what I thought, and someone told me yeah. no. I'm like, no, yeah, but where's right the Irish place? It's still, I'm, not, I'm drawing a, a blank on what was the Irish name? Someone with MC. Uh, it'll come to us, hopefully. Yeah. yeah. But that literally was an alleyway, a service alleyway between two facilities that we turned into a street, into yep. a public street. Did you guys do that? Yes. Oh, yes. well, yes. great. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So awesome. we, we, did, we did that. We didn't do the wheel. Arab yep. did the wheel. Yep. And, you know, again, they, they have the, the, the wheel kings, they call them, the young mm-hmm. engineers for, for Arab that do all of those big things. Yeah. We did the boarding platform. You know, the building, yep. the seven stories, and then the two platforms, whatever else. But that's a whole other project, again. Yeah. It kind of is a transformative project for Las Vegas as to how it served two old properties mm-hmm. and, and brought them other amenities that they need to try to keep their their people there a little bit longer. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So, so now you want no. me to go back to yep. the circle to the, the story about uh, Dan and I getting this call to say we have to come and meet these guys. Yeah. And I've told you a little bit about the guys. Yeah. And so I told you then that Monte Carlo came to be because of Steve Wynn and this entity called Gold Strike, who would be Mike Ensign and Bill Richardson. And with that, then they acquired the Circus Circus properties, and one of them being the Luxor, having its issues. There was already a whole master plan together to grow the Luxor because they needed to grow the, the room base to try to see if they couldn't make it a little bit more profitable. But worse than that, they effectively were going to put in there uh, a bunch of low-rise surrounding the pyramid and put you on golf carts or whatever else. I don't think that skateboards, well, skateboards were here, but uh, scooters Not the, and... the, the electric have, ones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. so they were going to put you more remote of the casino. It was hard enough to find the casino already, but they were going to put you more remote and say, come, I need more density on this property. And, and to make this operation flourish a little bit more, at least return some kind of a profit without going belly up right. you know, within two years of its existence. So they said, what would you guys do? When we went over to meet them, it was a Saturday. It was a summer Saturday. It was a late, it was a fall. It was, a, it was in the fall because we had met Terry in August, I think it was, of 95 for the MGM. Probably went over to visit uh, Pete and met Mike and Bill probably more end of September, something of that okay. nature. And they right on the spot said, so this is our dilemma. What would you guys do? We showed up in, you know, cutoff shorts, tank tops, flip flops, yeah. whatever, <laughs> not expecting to meet these men yeah. that both of them had been part of the an integral part of gaming in Nevada and the, the, the proliferation of gaming, whatever else. Yeah. And uh, so it was one of those that we had probably, we didn't even excuse ourselves. We just kind of put our heads down and sat with them and said, you know, we could do this. If you need to add 2,000 more keys, we could do this and still respect the pyramid. Yeah. And, and are those the yes, two towers the in back? Yeah. 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 Yep. They came to the north side. And as much as, yeah, they, they, you know, that was a whole other challenge to build those towers. And I said, Juba, Juba got his rocks off. I'm going to say it that yeah, way. Yeah. Okay. With those, but we have so many roof surfaces and whatever else. There were more, there's a lot of challenges when you start to work with, you know, the inclinator's one thing. Right. But stepping everything like we did 
was, yeah. was not easy either as far as stairs and, and elevators. And elevators were simple compared to stairs. Right. And then, again, just moisture proofing and, and whatever else comes with, with, with projects like that that have a lot of roof. Yep. Um, so anyway, our meeting went that within probably three months of us putting our heads down that we had probably the biggest work that was happening in Las Vegas at that time, at this time of the Gulf War, throwing a little bit of a hiccup yep. into the world. And here we were coming back, and it was like, you know, how are you guys going to do this? And I've already told you, we reached back to and we reached out to NDSU, and connections we had back then, mm-hmm. that we could then recruit people, bring them out here, and grow the firm, and do the work that we were that we were offered. It was afforded us. And did you hire a variety of experience levels, or was it? We were hiring probably 28-year-old people at that time. Yep. I'm saying individuals that may have been out of office, out of school by five years, maybe. Yeah, so they've done some some projects. Some have three years, some have five years, whatever. Yeah. John may have had 10, you know, whatever else. Yeah. And I'm speaking now of John Wald. At one time, I think we had five Johns in this office, so... We, we commonly went by our last names, and yeah. she was always called me more than other than, he's never called me John. I, 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 he had names for me all the time. Yeah. But, um, but um, so anyway, we reached out and we grew the firm. And within probably eight months of our existence, we were well underway with the planning for what was Mandalay going to be. And I believe it was a Project X or Y or something like that was its name at that point in time. Yep. But it was really, what would you guys do if you were going to build the, the, the gate post to Las Vegas on the southern end and have this property that was the Hacienda mm-hmm. that we imploded in New Year's of 96, I believe, right. is when that one came down. And within months of that, then construction started on Mandalay Bay, and Mandalay Bay, you know, was was built in comparison and and compared to Bellagio. Steve Wynn spent uh, one point eight or nine or whatever else. Again, when we did the Mirage with Steve Wynn at Mar- at at Marnell, back in. 87, 88, and opened it in 89. And we, right thereafter, opened our own Rio Hotel, right right in the coat strings of the Mirage. So both Juba and I were both gaming licensees on the Rio Hotel way back in its infancy. Yep. Dan was on the board of directors. I was a... I was marketing plus, and I would nudge the heck out of everyone over there as to what are they going to do next to keep that ship alive because it it opened with a bang and then it 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 just it leveled off way too fast. Which, which one did? Rio. Rio. So I'm all over yeah. now. We got to yeah. so. But well, but going back to Mandalay Bay, it was such a a big deal, out because this is '96. We started the design in, in, in spring of 96. Yeah. So I'm I'm in high school and I don't have any connections really in, in Vegas because I'm a high schooler in, in Minnesota. And it was known that this hotel was going out that even my, like my parents flew out to it. And it was just such a cool looking different building that I, I don't know if all the listeners remember, but it was I think it was a big deal. Mandalay Bay was. It was a huge deal because the Bellagio had just opened in the end of October of, of, of 98, built for the tune of almost $2 billion. Mm-hmm. And Mandalay prided itself in that it, it opened for just l- slightly less than $1 billion and was comparably, it was like Terry Lanny would even say, what 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 else did did Steve get with that other billion dollars? Right, you know that I that I'm not going to get here. Terry Lanny made it as a point at opening in March of '99 that they were going to own this 
hotel at some place in time, and they did, they being MGM Resorts International. So when I ask you a question, I want you to be as unhumble as possible because a lot of people um, mask what they do by just saying, I'm just a normal guy. So uh, yourself and Dan uh, raised up in a firm so that you were principals or owners and then took a break and then kind of had answers to solutions that are, are, are complex. Is it hard work? Are you guys more intelligent than, you know, you have a bunch of employees. Are you smarter than everyone else? Is it you worked harder? You know, what allowed you guys to, you have a firm, how many people are at this firm? We're about 82 now. 82 people. So what is that internal kind of sauce you think? Again, both Dan and I being Midwestern kids, both born and raised in very um, modest levels of, of uh, lifestyle, mm -hmm. hardworking families, uh, again, both uh, immigrants, you know, from Dan being Polish, I being Austrian. Uh, my dad would tell you more German, whatever else. Did your parents come over? My or my no my my mom and dad were born here. Yeah, I think all I think Juba's family was all born here as well, but my family did come over in oh, oh three, in in nineteen oh three, and my grandparents my my grandparent my my grandfather, and my great uncle. And my dad all came out of the construction industry. So therefore, my dad was an only son. I'm an only son. I followed in his ways. He said not. He said, this is not for you. And I already knew I wanted to go to school. But I had a sense of creativity and more than that, probably curiosity for both Dan and I. Curiosity and 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 good work ethics mm -hmm. and being driven I think raised us right to an elevation of competition that we wanted to compete and if you were ever in our studio back at NDSU Ron Ramsey would call us legendary yep but I would tell you that I think it was the level of competition that we had amongst eight of us that probably drove us to excel in everything that we did. And bringing all of that right back here to Dan and I and our opportunities that we've been afforded here in Las Vegas and the gaming and hospitality market, I think of Lance Josel. Mm -hmm. And again, good friend, colleague, whatever else. You know, he's only had one job. So have we. Dan had one other one. I guess for a short time. Yep. I've only had one other job, one job out of school. Yep. And that led me right to th right to this. Yeah. And I said, with that, you know, I kind of look at at the those that have followed, and it's very interesting because again, you start to go back. So I I told you that we reached out to NDSU when we formed the firm back in '95, and when all this all this opportunity came our way. And we did it again, what, eight years ago? Mm -hmm. You know, something like that. Maybe not eight years ago, but I, uh, my connections have, have been... Probably after the recession. Exactly. I, I've been building my connections back to NDSU more and more and more. I can't even tell you how many years I've been a trustee now, but I'm going to guess that I'm probably a trustee for since 03, mm -hmm. something like that. Uh, Juba and I w were... Um, big supporters of the Department of Architecture once we had finally made a buck yep. as Clyde Juba. And that probably, again, just uh, you know solidified our, our, our connections back to that school. And we started to help then once Renaissance came to be yes. that we could start building shops and getting tools and equipment and computers and whatever. Paul Glide did a great job. Mm -hmm. of giving us a shopping list 
and we could choose what we were going to help that school grow with in the next semester, next year. And with that, then the foundation obviously made their connections, and from that, we've been able to achieve even more for the Department of Architecture, now Architecture Plus Landscape Architecture at NDSU. Yeah. Um, Speaking of building the business, how much, and maybe not now, maybe back, let's say 10 years ago, who was focused on maybe the design and architecture and how much was focused on growing the business or getting the right people or management? And are they different skills set? Who has those skill sets and what's the difference there? Dan, Dan would always be, uh, he, would, he would be more the design. Mm-hmm. And, and again, I always liked to have the opportunity to, to design and felt that I could do it. Juba would have other commentary about that. Yep. <laughs> but um, I said, again, I was able to do it on my, I was able to do Caesars for many, many years and, yep. and, and do just fine. And I don't consider myself a reproduction kind of a guy. Yeah. Okay. I was always trying to stylize it a little bit more right. over at Caesars. But you ask exactly how did all that work, and I'd already alluded to the fact that Juba and I are not the same person. Mm-hmm. And probably because of that, we, we became the best of partners, yeah. and it was an easy partnership because Dan is more the design. I am much more how are we going to achieve this financially? How are we going to do this? That became my job at Marnell within two years of my arriving out of school yep. was figure out this firm and how we're going to, we're going to make it, make it uh, sustain, how we can sustain it. Yeah. Cause we had to grow that firm back then and go from a group of, uh, excuse me, but drafts people support people to a point of people that could go out and represent the company and, and work with clientele one-on-one. Right. And that's a whole other thing that, you know, again, we say in school, we, and, and I know that having sat on NCARB committees and all, ARE, written the ARE, we're very, very strong now that somewhere, again, just like I was referring to short sheeting of, of the Luxor, yep. we short sheet our, 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 our students, you know, in, with regard to opportunities in business, accounting, marketing, all of that, because as, in as much as we don't want to say that we're salespeople, we are. Right. Well, you're kind of in a unique position where you went to architecture school. You know how to design. Um, so you can speak that language. And I think a lot of firms are maybe missing. And it's not that it's overly complex, but is there someone focused and dedicated on those business issues? And a lot of architecture, when you go through the curriculum, it's so heavily based on design that you don't, if you're not comfortable in something, you don't want to do it. Right. And if you're getting enough work that you satisfy your creative side, then maybe you're not taking the opportunity to do what you kind of did with, with this firm. Um, so have you, have you talked to NDSU? Do they listen to you or do they just say, hey, thanks for buying our stuff? <laughs> we appreciate you. So, so you asked that question and I have to go back again and just uh, again react a little bit about you know, the, the, just the dynamics of, of Dan and myself yep. and then who we look for and why we're hiring what people. Because, again, I always said, even at Marnell, when I was almost solely responsible for growing that firm, mm-hmm. is that why, why were you hiring who you were hiring? And you never wanted to just hire the same person over and over and over again. You're always looking for just a little bit more. What else do they have? What else have they done mm-hmm. to just bring, you know, to, to, to put the whole, I always said it was just like baking a cake. Is it you're putting together a recipe? What else do I need to spice this up? What else right. do I need to make us even a little bit more unique? And with that, I believe that we took everything we learned at, at Marnell and we developed systems and everything else to work in the fast track mode here in this industry, a lot of those systems that we developed back then are still being implemented out here in this office of 82 or even through the offices of those of our colleagues that might help us once in a while when we have major, major uh, production matters that need to be met. Are the majority of your deliverables fast track or? 
not like they were. It's that 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 word is hardly existent anymore. Yeah, I know we still work on that on that mode, but this fast track versus our fast track, we were building 600 rooms and opening them in 15 months back then. You can't even get through a building department you in some can't places. Even get through a building department. Yeah. I would go down and help our local business um, building department stamp plans. Yeah. If that became their dilemma as to how do I get through these plans, John. I said, I'll come down and help. Yeah, yeah. Um, can you can you walk us through a day to day? Starting when you wake up, what what's your day look like? Do you have a morning routine? It's huh? all it's, my morning routine is very personal. Yep. In that I'm a I'm a morning guy, and I've always been a. Once I moved west, I became a morning guy. Yep. Amazing. I went from being a late night person back in the Midwest to a morning guy once Same. I got to the desert. And it's and it, maybe it is just part of our life once we get out of college and whatever else. Some people hold on to the night for yeah. life for a while. I'm not saying they're partying, yeah. but no, that no, same college. But just stay, stay up late and whatever yeah. else. And some people work best at night. I am very productive in the morning. Mm-hmm. So therefore, my morning, you know, even now that I'm on my stair steps out of here consists of we're, 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 we're fortunate that, again, we have a trainer that comes to visit us at our home. Yep. And that makes it really easy to kind of get all the balance in. Yep. Because I like to putts in gardens. <laughs> I love that. I said, when, the, when, when it gets to be the 1st of March, you're going to find me the first thing I'm going to do when I get up and beyond putting the coffee on yep. is that I'll be out in the garden out there putzing a little bit and even though we're trying to downsize, yep. we still, gardens are a big part of us in the, the this last home that we just did again. Yep. All raised gardens go out so I can go out and sit on my butt <laughs> and, and kind of work, you know, the compost and whatever else. Yep. And we just, people would say, you what? What's your favorite thing to grow? I love, I love, what we do is we compost so much of yep. everything. And we we churn it and whatever else, and yeah. I'll throw some ash into it now, whatever else. You know, we're, I'm, I'm working it just unscientifically. You're right. I'm out there just... But are you working. pretending that you're being kind of scientific? I'm, you're like, yeah, <laughs> maybe, maybe. But I may not know exactly what is all in that compost. Yeah. The, most, the, the, the most interesting thing to grow is when you go out and spread that compost back into your garden beds, and then you start to see what's coming up and I can still identify them from seedlings because I was always a garden guy. Yeah. Way back with my grandparents and at home. I loved to go over to my grandma and grandpa's home and they had this, we called it the orchard and the hill. Mm-hmm. And the garden out there was magnificent and had all these different parts and pieces and, you know, whatever, apple trees and, and plums and all that all around it. But this is all in my little hometown of now 118 people. Oh wow! Yeah, and I probably need to do a wait. Uh, what town? My town is Osnabrück. Um, o s n a b r o c k. Where's it by? It's up by Langdon, and you probably don't even know where Langdon no. is. So if you took I twenty nine north, yep, and you were headed up to Winnipeg, yes, and at Drayton, where the big sugar beet factory is, yep, or processing is, you would hang a left, yep, and you would go west, up the hills, out of the Red River Valley, and up yep. the hill. And right atop that hill, there was a little railroad town called Osnabrück that then connects out of the Grand Forks Spur that heads from Grand Forks up to Hanna. Yep. And what we have up there is, it's real interesting because it's typically a Norsky, very heavy Norsky in the ethnic uh, yeah, uh, background. Yes. Okay. But all around it, you have Osnabrück, uh, Dresden, yep. Munich. There's so many German towns right in there. It's like... How did this all come to be? Yeah. So remember the movie Fargo and yeah. the, the accents? Yes. And it was so funny to me because they had the accent in Minneapolis. I'm like, this doesn't really exist. It's overblown. Blown. It's hilarious. So I told, I was in the National Guard and we were going to little guard posts out in nowhere, North Dakota, probably close to some of these towns. And we get out of the trucks and some guy comes walking out and he nailed it to a T. I was like, okay, back here. This is they. It's real. It is real. So it's, uh, you, you say that, and when I first arrived here, I got 
I got uh, accused of being more Canadian. Yeah. And I would say that would all come because my town was 14 miles south of the border. Right. And it was very common for us to go up and run the border. And uh, we literally... Could you would, just cross back we then? We just cross. Yeah. And, you know, my dad knew the, 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 the border agent. Yeah. So it was like, hey, excuse us, we're going to move those cones in this drive through Yeah. And... Um, Thank goodness, knock on wood, we we never did get in any matters over all of that. Obviously, you can't do that anymore. Yeah, you would now. <laughs> no. Yeah. yeah so again, a great place to grow up, but I couldn't wait to get out of there. Mm-hmm. And again, because that town became way too small, way too just early right. in life. Yep. And I already knew that I probably wanted to be more Yep. and uh, move on. Yep. So now you're gardening in the morning and then keep walking us through your... So then somewhere in the world, I get accused of probably getting more email in this office than anyone else. But if they only knew what kind of junk I was, I probably, because of subscriptions and whatever else, what I was, what I was cleaning and cleansing and purging yeah. is that I can, I can go through a lot of email in the morning. I'll check in with the office because, again, I, my calendar is pretty darn light. Right now what I'm doing is... I do a lot more of, of um, I, I'm coming off of boards right now as well, mm-hmm. but I'm, I'm intentionally just making room for my second step back into kind of a retirement mm-hmm. is what I'm doing. And again, I've been fortunate enough that I've been able to be so connected with so many different causes. Education is foremost with me. Mm-hmm. I'm still very involved over at UNLV. I'm an adjunct in the hospitality concentration, the graduate concentration over at UNLV School so of Architecture. Do you teach classes? I will go into the classroom on Fridays, yes. Okay. We'll go over there for four and five hours and, and with the studio, with, yep. with that studio. Um, I'm not teaching a class. I'm only there as a adjunct professional who has worked hospitality, and hopefully somewhere along the line, because it is hospitality, we may be able to take a field trip, go see a project that we were a part of, mm-hmm. that actually is what I refer to for that school is we have some of the best living laboratories right here, less than a mile away from the campus. Let's go. Exactly. Let's, let's go see it. Yep. And again, like even the brother-in-law that I hired out of NDSU, Mitchell Tragerton, mm-hmm. who came out of the class of 87 and I brought him out to to Marnell hired him I had no idea that six years down the road he'd end up being my brother-in-law well he did Mitchell has done most every one of the Cirque theaters in town and so when you have a A19 come to town Mitchell is drafted easily to go out and give tours of a lot of what he's done in his theater work here in town as well And God bless Mitchell because he is, I think he's now at Marnell for 30, he's going on 33 years. Wow. I said, I lasted 12 and a half and did okay. Yeah. And I say, more power to you, Mitchell. Yep. Um, So now that, you know, you alluded to, you are kind of stepping away. Uh Um, I think that's happening in, uh, you're you're baby boomer? I am. Yep. Um, I there's a lot of you. <laughs> yeah, there's a whole lot of us. Yes. And there's a whole lot of you at, at the top of the yeah. firms. How did that discussion go? And, and even if you can be generic, how do you structure it even financially and even physically where you're stepping down kind of slowly with your time? How is that all working out? We have a, a, a process that we've utilized, a system that we've utilized again here when we're talking to new people that we feel are qualified and and that we would really like them and would like to encourage them to become an owner mm-hmm. of the Clyde Jubilwald family. Um, you know, again, through some very, very uh, discretion, uh, discretionary bonuses and uh, workings with our financial guru that I found back in 90, 1995. Mm-hmm. And I said, I went to Parker then because I was one of those that I thought that I could venture out into another business in between my two stints in in architecture. And I had to reach out to this individual to help me stop the bleeding (laughs) back then. 
at Parker since that day, and I, I remember the day that I met him, you know, it was July 17th of, of, of uh, 1995, said, this is how we're gonna do it, John. And within a month and a half, Dan and I were already putting our shingle out, that we were back. And I said, if I'm gonna go through this kind of stress in a small business, then let me do something that I know I can do myself. And that would be architecture. Yep. And between Dan and I, between the design and between the structure, and again, we've seen so many colleagues, great designers, They've, they've just floundered, again, when it came to the financial aspects of the business. Mm -hmm. You know, the contracts and all of that. We, again, are so fortunate, knocking on wood, you know, that we have never missed a payroll in this company. And that's unheard of in our industry. Yeah. And especially given the downturns that we've had and the severe downturn that we went through from, you know, the 08 right on this company probably didn't find its feet again until about 14. Right. And I believe that was right about when we offered then the, the namesake to John Wald, even though he was already an owner of the company, we weren't going to put him out there on the front door until we knew that we had actually survived that period, that, that, that period of time, that, that economic downturn. Yep. Um, okay. So you're, you're finding people and, and you're transitioning. Yeah. And, and uh, let me go back and hit on that again, because I was watching my words, but I think more than that, you know, we, we look at, at strata of people. Mm -hmm. And again, we went back to NDSU here in the last, I said eight years. I realize it's not eight years. It's probably more like the last four, yep. whatever else to look for people. Once we realized that our median age had actually grown by 20 years just like that. Mm. It, it was like we used to say that we were, you know, that we could pride ourselves that we were that we were 28, and all of a sudden we became 48, and 48 was stretching to 60. Yeah, you know, whatever. And especially with myself, I am the senior. Uh, I believe there may be maybe two other people here that might beat you in age. Yeah, may, may match me in age. Yep. But no one that's in the leadership role here at Clyde Jubilwald. Um, so when we look at for people, we, we again, when we reached out and, and said we need to go back to NDSU because we need to grow, we need to grow this company, again, probably more with people that are curious but have had the tools. And we know that NDSU architecture and landscape architecture right now are probably giving you and your even younger colleagues opportunities, providing them opportunities that we never had. The computer didn't happen here, you know, until we were already in at work with Marnell. Mm -hmm. And then that was a whole other, you talk about another uh, curveball, yeah. you know, into the industry when Juba and I were used to hand drafting. And then now you go out into the studio and you say, do you have any bum wad or do you have any yeah. sketch paper? And they're looking at you like, what? Yeah. And it's, and we've, got, we've, we've been able to get a few of our younger people to recognize that the hand is still very valuable. Yep. And if you have that, if you were born with that talent or you have that creative sense, you know, utilize it because there's not many of us anymore that are actually able to just whip out a pen and say, here. And I said, we had Lance Josel that we always just got to watch because his hand was so fabulous. I wish that Lance would have you know, again, you talk about a person that went from that free and that loose and whatever with his hand and went into leadership of a large firm like Callison RTKL. Yeah, great. You know, uh, what a, what a, what a, what a, what a, what a, yeah. Yeah. What a contrast. Um, if you could go back and give your 20-year-old self any sort of a advice, kind of cheating, you could literally take a time travel machine. Would you tell, what would you tell him? It's what I tell students right now. And I, I, I think it's, it's travel and experience as often as you can. And again, is it I was fortunate, I'm fortunate. I've, in my life, I've traveled. I've treated myself to some major league travel. 
I look at some of the scholarships that we're now part of for students, mm -hmm. and I find all the validity of even giving more money to students and opportunities for independent travel, be it abroad or be it whatever. Just go travel. But even what we say here at Clyde Juba Wald is you may not think that you can actually afford to go just stack, you know, poke your head into one of those casinos or one of those facilities on the strip at night. But if there's something big going, don't don't deprive yourself the opportunity to just feel mm -hmm. just the experience of what people are coming to this town for. That's what we're here to deliver. Yeah. Is that experience. And that's what we do around the country. Because our work today is probably 30% Las Vegas, if that. It's, you know, at times we've been, we've been probably 85% out of Las Vegas. Yep. Um, Travel and experiences is just, you can never, just like education, you can never take it away. That's, that's great advice. Uh, a couple of quick fire questions just to, yeah. to wrap it up. Yeah. Uh, do you have any pet peeves or does anything push your buttons? And does anyone know that and do it on purpose? I just added that last part. <laughs> no, I, uh, I think pet peeves. And I can come back to that if you. Well, I, I would just say it's 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 control is a is is a a um, you know, those that must control. And I I just despise control because again. Two heads are better, and all of a sudden, someone says, "I alone can do it." Mm -hmm. We already know that you know the adage is, you know, teamwork is is there's not an I in team. Right. And again, how 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 simple is that? But those that find it necessary to, I I also um, despise islands. People that, again find it necessary to take it to themselves, hold it to themselves, and not be willing to share it with others, especially in the workplace. Right. Because I can do it faster. That's not what you're here for. Fast is important, but sharing and mentoring and whatever else is also very important. So therefore, just because you can doesn't make it right. Yeah. And I love our pods of our workplaces here, spaces here, because again, you'll find how easily you can put four people right together. And we are like moving carts. We have cubbies that we move, mm -hmm. and what do they call them? They're, they're um, I think they're like, well, they're, I don't know if they're cubbies, but they're on wheels, yeah. and they're on wheels for a reason. And that's because this office can change up faster than you can believe. And it'll be a new team is being formed over here for purposes of this job or the, that work or whatever else. So we don't have any, we're not, we're not compartmentalized at all. Right. And we just try to, again, if we can give you the experience from conceptual to, you know, in the field, that's what we owe you. Yeah, that's great. Anything, any parting wisdom or um, anything you want to let the audience know? Uh, last final words? Well, I just, I, I, I pride myself again in, in just stepping up and actually giving back wherever and whatever it is that I can do. And today my job is, now that I'm in a mode of kind of stepping back and retreating a little bit, stepping down off of boards and all, is inspiring others that they too can do the same as I have done. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't take a mountain, it doesn't take millions, it doesn't take, it doesn't always have to be all about that. It can be about you. And again, you can make that difference and you truly can make a difference in a student's life. And I think that's just, in a student or a, a, a brand new uh, worker bee, mm -hmm. you know, here in the office, is just welcome them, be the human part of the, of the world. Okay, just be kind and gentle. Remember again that you may have been scared to death the day that 
I first stepped into the Marnell office had never worked in an office before. And all of a sudden, I was the new hire. Yep. And remember that day. You know, this remembering that day is then and, and take that home and, and, and again, be a kind and gentle and compassionate soul. Well, thank you for your time. We appreciate it. Uh, I, I had a great time listening to all your stories. Well, I said I hope that out of it you have something that's of, 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 of some value, so we'll see. We do for sure. Okay, thank you. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed it. And if you did, don't forget to leave us a five-star review on the iTunes app. Tip your barista, and we'll see you next week for more Monday morning coffee with Inside the Firm.